is episode six of the Tipitaka recitals on Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books Podcast. Last time I said the Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books Podcast and uh, not sure why. But anyway, <clears throat> so I'm still mulling over. I, I've listened two or three times to the previous episode and I'm not quite clear on what was going on with the third thing, but we'll get back to that. For today, before I get started with the reading, I would like to welcome our special guests, the five Dayani Buddhas. Now, we're having a little bit of a Vajrayana uh, moment here at the beginning of our early Theravada um, episode. All right, all right, <laughs> it's distracting. Um, for those of you who are just listening because you're on the podcast, hello! Um, this will be okay for you guys. There's a little bit of visual stuff happening here, but I'll be, you know, describing things as we go. So don't worry, I, I, I haven't forgotten about you and I haven't left you out. Uh, but for the people on YouTube, if this is your first time seeing me, don't watch this episode, watch this one. Or, uh, you know, do what you like, do what you like, you know. Uh, but but yeah, that will take you to the playlist for the Tipitaka. Start with episode one, and that'll give you the rundown, and it'll help explain kind of the stuff that was going on up here just now. And uh, but let's get to it now. A few episodes ago, you heard me mention the caste system. I'm sure many many of you are aware of this. This is an ancient and traditional thing that exists in India as well as other places. It's not limited to India. There's a, a kind of caste system uh, in, in play in China, as well as Japan and other uh, places in Asia, as well as in ancient Europe. There were the, uh, the, there were the Charles. My middle name is Charles. Now you know. Um, the Edward Charles Reeves Buddhist Books Podcast. The Charles were the free people. The, then there were the slaves, and then there were the aristocrats. So basically a three-tier system, unless you count the royals. They were kind of their own thing. Uh, but in uh, traditionally in India, <clears throat> there's basically five main castes, but that's hideously oversimplified. Um, my wife's caste is Yadav, which is none of the above. It's not one of the five. It's a separate thing. Uh, they take care of the cattle. So some people can have, you know, some Yadavs may have a lot of cattle and be the richest person in town, and some people may have one cow, and so on and so forth. And if she's, she doesn't personally take care of cows. This is basically, it's like surnames. If you're, if Harry Potter, obviously, did not make pots for a living. It's a similar kind of thing these days, for the most part. Um, yeah, well, anyway, uh, I won't go into, into too much depth, but the point is that Buddha was not into it, um, as exemplified by... Uh, here, let's, we'll, we're not going to do all flashbacks, but we're going to have a few, you know, a little bit of a clip thing happening in the beginning of this episode. Um, you might remember, if you've been watching all 66, I think this might be episode 67, if you're on the podcast on 66, if you've been watching YouTube, if you're curious about the difference, then let that curiosity become an itching, and the itching become a burning that can only be satisfied by putting your hand into the box or, or you know, um, typing in uh, Edward Reed on your, your podcasting app and subscribing and then trying to find which episode is there that's not on the YouTube. Have fun. Anyway, no. Um, but yeah, if you remember episode six, 
neither by his plaited hair nor by his family or by birth does a man become a Brahmin. Is it too subtle? I don't know. I think the Buddha is being too subtle. Is he talking about the caste system? I think he's talking about the caste system. He who has realized the truth and embraced the sacred law, such a man is pure. He is a Brahmin. So yeah, um, that, that was in reference to the Brahmins. I think that was episode six of the Dhammapada. Um, and you might recall at the very beginning of the Tipitaka, where he's talking to the Brahmin and the Brahmin saying, how come you didn't immediately go to the Brahmin's house and, and, and you know, pay obeisance to him, as it were. Um, and he said, well, I, I looked and I didn't find anyone to pay obeisance to, which is kind of like a, a heretical thing to say in a strict caste system kind of environment of, as it was 2,000 some odd hundred years ago. Um, so, sort of in the spirit of that, these guys came along later and much earlier. I'll explain. Um, actually, I'm not entirely sure when they were introduced to the world of Buddhism, whether it, I mean, we'll find out. In the Tipitaka, maybe they're mentioned. I don't think so. Um, maybe they're mentioned a little bit in uh, Mahayana, but they're definitely very prominent in Vajrayana. There's one or two things I've noticed so far that get brought up a little in uh, in Mahayana and then really, really expounded upon in Vajrayana. So it might be one of those. And one or two things I'm finding, I'm, you know, uh, becoming surprised are actually being mentioned in Tipitaka that I had thought didn't come around till Mahayana. So all of this is a learning experience for both of us, hopefully. Unless you already know everything, in which case, why are you wasting your time watching this? Just go watch reaction videos or something. This guy's really fun. Okay, I've got to keep an eye on how many times I point to the corner of the screen because there's going to be uh, a few. So that was three, right? Three times I've pointed? All right, I've got two more that YouTube will allow me before I'm cut off. No more pointing to the corner of the screen. So kind of in the spirit of that <clears throat> breaking down of the concept of the caste system, uh, I'll introduce these these five Buddhas, all five of them are, are fully awakened nirvana awareness Buddhas. But one is from each of the five main castes. Isn't that fun? Um, in no particular order, actually I'll just start with, uh, with Akshobhyan. See here's Akshobhya, he's wearing a, a blue uh, necklace, as you can see. Hey, Akshobhya, do the trick. Nice. Yeah, so so he's often depicted like this. Um, so all five of these, you know, you can, you can do that with your mind. Um, this is the only one that is able to do this particular trick. Uh, he just, never mind, uh, he did a trick for the people just listening. Um, so yeah, Akshobhya, he hails from the warrior caste. His ancestors were warriors, and some of his ancestors uh, were kings. He comes from imperial descent. Although, you know, if, if you go back far enough, I think a lot of people come from all kinds of descent, just given the sheer mathematics of how many humans there have been, although the math was a little different in his day. Um, I myself am descendant of King Durante of Ireland, as well as uh, the Tudors, if I understand correctly, in England. And if you're wondering if I ever go to war with myself, the answer is yes. Um, I have declared independence for myself, and I've, uh, I've, 
I've, I've colonized myself and all kinds of stuff. It's, 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 it's a mess. Um, so, uh, okay, you can go back now. So, um, when he was born, his given name was Dai Kyab, Warrantor of Happiness. And he was given a, a prayer name or a heart name, sort of like a, you know, a, a Jewish kid might have a, uh, a prayer name, or, or in China you have people with Christian names. It, it happens where you have your sort of your given name that people call you on the street, and then you have your prayerful name, right? So his prayerful name was Zai Wei Tong, beauteous signal. And then when he became a Buddha, uh, he was called Akshobhya. Now you might be wondering what the heck was all of that going on just then? And we'll use card number four for that. Those were clips from Padmasambhava 2. Now I mentioned last time that I would be doing Padmasambhava 3 at some point. I don't, that wasn't last time, that was the time before, because of all the chastity I thought I'd talk about Padmasambhava to kind of balance things out. Um, uh, yeah, later, they, they figured out more loopholes, you know, that don't, didn't involve monkeys, just involved uh, not ejaculating. But anyway, um, so, yeah, aside from all that, what was I talking about? Um, so those, yeah, those clips, when you just saw me shift, change a little bit, necklace, um, yeah, those are from the Esoteric Nerd podcast, and if you follow that thing I pointed to, then you can watch the whole thing and get more information, for example, about these five. Um, so moving along next, according to how I've written it down, <clears throat> consulting my notes. Oh, by the way, um, Akshobhya, the blue one, is said to be of the mirror-like wisdom. And uh, then Amitabha, right? Um, Lord Buddha, the one we've been talking about, is said to be in Vajrayana from the Buddha family of Amitabha, who is of the wisdom of discernment. And uh, his, his caste is the servile caste. So his ancestors were servants, maids, butlers, you know, things like that. Um, and yeah, so there were the warriors, the servants, and then the Brahmins, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but when he was born, his given name was Tramita, and his prayerful name was Mikyab Pal, inconceivable glory. And of course, when he became a Buddha, he became known as Amitabha. So there you have it. Um, next, in no particular order, we have Virachana. Vairochana is wearing, so he was wearing red for the people. That was uh, Amitabha wearing red. Vairochana is wearing white. He has just straight white skin, even whiter than this. Um, very white, like more like this, this reflection of the light from outside. Anyway, um, so yes, he, his family were Brahmins and, uh, He's, he's like a really big deal and he's central when they, they show them. So, I mean, in a way, it's sort of not, not entirely breaking out of, of the, uh, the, the ideas of, of the caste system. His family were priests. His family were the, like, from the priest families. So traditionally, the Brahmins were the ones that when they were very young, they would learn how to read Sanskrit. They would learn the, uh, the Holy Scriptures, the Vedas, the Upanishads, and so on and so forth. And they would grow up and be the spiritual leaders of the town, basically. Um, so that was their place in society. But this particular uh, Brahmin 
when he was born, he was given the name Lei Chin, who reveals karma. And his prayerful name was Dawa Zaipel, glory of beautiful moonlight. And then, of course, when he became a Buddha, he became known as Vairochana. So there you have uh, his background. Um, next on here, we have Amogasidi. Now, he's wearing green and is uh, often depicted with green skin. He's from the untouchable caste. Now, that's kind of a controversial subject. Um, people aren't supposed to touch them not supposed to talk to them. They just hang out with their own kind, and uh, they can't even be a servant. Um, and I, I've encountered situations where, you know, if somebody's coming from a traditional rural, you know, area, and they're uh, a servant, they're cleaning and taking care of things and, you know, all of that, um, you say, oh, uh, do you think that they could clean the toilet? Oh, no, 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 They're from the servile caste. They're not an untouchable. We need to get an untouchable in here if we want someone to clean the toilet. So that's interesting. Um, however, in modern India, Delhi and Hyderabad and Mumbai and, you know, this kind of like uh, the developed parts, more developed parts, uh, they have urban clap and you just push a button and you say, you know, on your phone, say, I need someone to clean my toilet. And someone comes and cleans the toilet and nobody asks what caste they're from. So, yeah, there's a whole spectrum going on here. But anyway, uh, so Amoga Sidi was born to untouchable <clears throat> parents and his given name was... Sambura, and his uh, prayerful name was Kunle Drik, appropriate among all. And, of course, when he became a Buddha, he became known as Amogasidi. And he is said to be, I think I skipped a couple wisdoms, Amitabha, the red one, was uh, the wisdom of discernment. Vairochana is the pristine awareness of the ultimate dimension of phenomena. Uh, or f yeah, that is, that's pretty cool. Amoga Siddhi is accomplishing pristine awareness. Okay, and uh, yeah, so that's Amoga Siddhi. And finally, we have the yellow one, Ratnasambhava, and he symbolizes the pristine awareness of total sameness. So blue mirror-like wisdom, and then. Uh, well, anyway, so uh, when Ratna Sambhava, uh, he's, he hails from the merchant caste. So you have all five castes represented, all of them able to become not only Buddha, but of the highest uh, recognition. And I mentioned these came later, but they're said to be ancient Buddhas that predated Lord Buddha, if that makes sense. But they're not mentioned until after Lord Buddha. I see what I'm saying? Um, prequel, prequel stuff. You know how they wrote, they wrote, they, sometimes they write the prequels after they write the original Star Wars like that. Anyway, so when he was born, his given name was Palchin, who reveals the splendor. And his prayerful name was Snorchin, who reveals the jewel. And then when he became a Buddha, he became known as Ratna Sambhava. So, that's our special guests. All right, should we get to the, today's reading, shall we? Um, today is a little silly, and uh, partly because this is the last episode before uh, a three-week sabbatical. Um, so you have some time to catch up. Of course, you're not going to know about that until you get to this episode. So for those of you who are about to be all caught up, 
Now you know that this is the last episode for the next three weeks. The next episode will be in three weeks. Okay. So now I'm going to do my best to fill in the three dots. I'm going to have to do a little bit more active reading so I can anticipate what it is that belongs in the three dots so that I can insert it, you know, the words, nothing weird. Okay. <clears throat> and how, monks, is the training not disavowed? Here, monks, by reason of these properties, by reason of these features, by reason of these signs, the training is disavowed. Yet, if one who is out of his mind disavows uh, the training, mm -hmm, by reason of these properties, so someone's out of their mind, and they say, I hate the Buddha, man. Then it doesn't count because he's out of his mind, right? Okay. Um, by reason of these features, by reason of these signs, then the training is not disavowed. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Let's read on. Let's see where this goes. If one disavows the training in the presence of one who is out of his mind, the training is not disavowed. All right. If one whose mind is unhinged disavows the training, then the training is not disavowed. See, that was a case of three dots. I, I inserted the, then the training is not disavowed. A weird thing to be, have to put in three dots, right? Anyway, if one disavows the training in, his pre, in the presence of one whose mind is unhinged, then the training is not disavowed. If one is afflicted with pain, then the training is not disavowed. In the presence of one afflicted by pain, then the training is not disavowed. In the presence of the Tevatas, if one disavows the training in the presence of the Tevatas, then the training is not disavowed. So you have to insert the thing at the beginning and the, the thing at the end. Obnoxious, right? Okay. If one disavows the training uh, in the presence of animals, then the training is not disavowed. Uh, maybe solely in the presence. So, like, I mean, I imagine if, like, Ananda is sitting there or Buddha is sitting there and there's an animal also and you say, F the Buddha, you know, like, then you've disavowed the training, right? But if only an animal is there, if you're talking to the monkey, for instance, uh, or whatever, uh, and you say, you know, I, I disavow the Buddha, the monkey goes, oh, oh, oh. Like, you didn't disavow the training. Someone has to hear you who is of sound mind and not in pain, if I'm reading this correctly. Okay, if I'm understanding this correctly. If an Aryan disavows the training in the presence of a non-Aryan, and he does not recognize it, the training is not disavowed. Let's check the footnote on that, shall we? Ari, Ariyaka means the proper mode of speech, the language of Magadha. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's what they mean by Aryan. Okay. So someone who speaks the official language of the capital. And they say, so someone's speaking a different language. If someone says, Oi, Shakala, 
you know, whatever. I mean, I just made up some sounds. And someone who doesn't speak whatever language that was is like, huh? They don't know that he said, I disavow the Buddha, right? So the training is not disavowed. You have to say it to someone who speaks the same language you do. All right. Getting real specific. Um, if a non-Aryan disavows the training in the presence of a non-Aryan and he does not recognize it. Okay, yeah. So, so like, if we substitute Aryan for, let's say, English. So if someone says it in English and the person they're talking to doesn't speak English, it doesn't count. If someone says it in Spanish and the person they're talking to is Chinese and doesn't speak Spanish, it also doesn't count. So if a, an Aryan speaking to a non-Aryan who doesn't recognize it, it doesn't count. If a non-Aryan is speaking to a non-Aryan who doesn't recognize it, it doesn't count. If a non-Aryan is speaking to an Aryan who doesn't recognize it, it doesn't count. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, if a non-Aryan disavows the training in the presence of a non-Aryan who does not recognize it, the training is not disavowed. If he disavows the training for a joke, then the training is not disavowed. If he disavows the training for fun, then the training is not disavowed. If he announces what he does not wish to announce, then the training is not disavowed. Okay, he says, so he says, I will never say I disavow the Buddha. You can't say, ah, he said I disavow the Buddha. So he's establishing that. Okay. Um, yes. So, if he does not announce what he wishes to announce, then the training is not disavowed, right? If he announces to those not knowing, then the training is not disavowed. So, if people have no idea what he's talking about, they're like, I don't know this Buddha, I don't know what the word training means, or, or whatever, okay. If he does not announce to those knowing, then the training is not disavowed. Or if he does not announce the whole thing, then the training is not disavowed. If he says, I disavow the, or someone, you know, disavow the Buddha. You disavow the Buddha? Who disavows the Buddha? Are you talking about? Then he didn't do it. This, monks, is the training which is not disavowed. Okay, those are all the ways that you can, like, not disavow the Buddha, although it sounds like maybe you did, but you didn't. Okay. Sexual intercourse means what is not verily Dhamma, village Dhamma, low caste Dhamma, wickedness, the final ablution, secrecy, having obtained in couples. This is called sexual intercourse. Okay. Indulges means whenever the male organ is male made to enter the female. Okay, I was confused. I thought that that was sexual intercourse. All right. Anyway, the male member enter, uh, to enter the female, even for the length of a fruit of the sesame plant. This is called indulges. So you can't just say, well, I just put it in a little bit. Like, was it... The width of a sesame seed? The fruit of a sesame plant. How big is that fruit? Uh, uh, well, anyway. Uh, even with an animal means indulging in sexual intercourse with a female animal. He is not a true recluse, not a true son of the Sakyans, much less so than with women. Hence, the meaning even with an animal. So it's saying, like, it's not a loophole, it's 
worse. It's even more screwed up than with a female human. Now, uh, I can't help wondering, are they going to bring this up? Or maybe, like, it was so taboo. The idea of, like, man with man was, like, such a taboo that they didn't even mention it. Because it was just obviously just so terrible that you would burst into flames. Or are they going to mention it later? Does it come up? I'm curious. Let's keep reading. Right? Because male-female is not allowed. Male with animal, not allowed. I mean, even the Bible talks about male with male. And spoiler, it's not allowed. Anyway. Okay. I think it should be allowed. Just to go on record. In case you were confused. I'm just reading this stuff. I'm not saying this stuff, right? Reading it. This was written 2,000 years ago. Okay. Let's keep reading, shall we? Is one who is defeated means, as a man with his head cut off, cannot become one to live with that bodily connection, so is a monk indulging in sexual intercourse not a true recluse. True is in parentheses. Not a true son of the Sakya, Sakyans. Therefore, he is called one who is defeated. Which, of course, is the name of this chapter. Which is Harajika. I knew that. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. I think, I think it's going to get into it. All right. Yes. Is not in communion means communion is called one work, one rule, and equal training. This is called communion. He who is not together with this is therefore called not in communion. All right. So he says he's defeated, he's not in communion. So they're both, both true. Okay. Three kinds of females. Human women, non-human females, female animals. So I guess they're including like aliens, greys, gods, mm, garudas, goblins. There's female humans, female animals, and non-human females. Also not animals, right? Okay. Um, let's continue. Three kinds of hermaphrodites. Human hermaphrodites, non-human hermaphrodites, animal hermaphrodites. That stands to reason. Three kinds of eunuchs, human eunuchs, non-human eunuchs, animal eunuchs. Three kinds of males, human males, non-human males, animal males. There is an offense involving defeat if he commits sexual intercourse with human women in three ways. Okay, there's a little star asterisk thing by it. Hmm in three ways. Okay, all right, I'll just keep reading. Also with non-human women and female animals, all right? Also with human, non-human, and animal hermaphrodites. There is an offense involving defeat for a human eunuch if he commits sexual intercourse in two ways. Uh, also, non-human and animal eunuchs, there is an offense involving defeat for human males, non-human males, and male animals if they commit sexual intercourse in these two ways. Is the British translator being polite and, like, leaving things out 
to make it less clear, or is the original Pali not clear? For a monk who, having thought of cohabitation, lets his male uh, organ enter a human woman at any one of three places... Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, There is an offense involving defeat. Are they going to tell us what the three places are? Okay. For a monk who dot, 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 a human female... All right, let's fill in the dots, shall we? Um, Okay, so for a monk who, having thought of cohabitation, lets his male organ enter. Okay, so let's, let's insert, let's fill that in. For a monk who, having thought of cohabitation, lets his male and organ enter a non-human female, a female animal. For a monk who, having thought of cohabitation, lets his male organ enter a human, non-human, an animal hermaphrodite at any one of three places... There is an offense involving defeat. For a monk who, having thought of cohabitation, lets his male organ enter a human, non-human, or animal eunuch, uh, there is an offense involving defeat. For a monk who, having thought of cohabitation, lets his male organ enter a human male, a non-human male, or a male animal uh, there, there. I, I think probably in two places would be the logical conclusion, right? Um, and then, then there is an offense involving defeat. Hopefully, a monk won't try like making an incision. Okay, I've said too much, way too much. Um, opponents of monks having brought a human woman into a monk's presence associate his male organ with these three places. If he agrees to application, if he agrees to entry, if he agrees to ap- uh, to remaining, if he agrees to taking out, there is an offense involving defeat. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman into a monk's presence associate his male organ with these three, uh, there's dots. I'm trying to figure out what goes in the dots. Anyway, I'll just, after the dots. If he does not agree to application, but agrees to entry, to remaining, to taking out, there is an offense involving defeat. Opponents of monks, dot, dot, dot. If he does not agree to application, nor to entry, but to remaining and to taking out, dot, 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 involving defeat. Uh, okay, opponents of monks, dot, 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 if he does not agree to an application nor entry, uh, nor to remaining, but to taking out. How can you take it out if you don't put it in? I'm sorry, I, I'm, I am confused. I am legitimately confused about that. Then there is an offense involving defeat. Okay, uh, opponents of monks, dot, 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 if he does not agree to application, nor to entry, nor to remaining, nor to taking out, there is no offense. <laughs> okay. I mean, it would be a neat trick if he can take it out without putting it in. That's all I'm saying. But apparently it would still mean that he's kicked out of the order. But sir, I never put it in. But you took it out? Well, yes. So it was in there? Yes. But you didn't put it in? No. What if you just wake up and it's already in there? Okay, I'll just uh, read this next paragraph and then we'll close, shall we? This was a fun one, right? 
I mean, uh, on one level, I can understand why people, uh, you know, they say, uh, read, read uh, the, the Heart Sutra. Uh, just uh, read, read Lotus Sutra. No need to read the, that old stuff. It's just a bunch of boring philosophy anyway. That's what they say. The people who say that the Tipitaka and the Theravada scriptures is a bunch of boring philosophy stuff either have not read it or they have and they're um, <laughs> embarrassed about it. Okay. Um, opponents of monks having brought a human woman awake. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, okay. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman awake. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman asleep. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman intoxicated. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman mad. I think that means like crazy. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman drunk. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman dead but not decomposed. Which of course begs the question, sir, sir, what if she is decomposed? Anyway, um, okay, opponents of monks having brought a human woman dead and practically undecomposed. Opponents of monks having brought a human woman uh, dead and practically decomposed. Um, there, there is an offense involving defeat. Not defeat, defeat the name of the chapter. So I wonder if, like with the monkey, there was uh, a situation for each of those, or if Buddha just had to start being creative and thinking, or if people were like, but sir, what if she's dead? But sir, what if she's decomposed? But sir, what if it's a man? But sir, but sir, what if it's... And then Buddha was like, okay. If you have sex with this, that, this type, this type, dead, drunk, doesn't matter, asleep, you didn't put it in, but you pulled it out, all of these situations, you're defeated. Thank you. Thank you for going on this ride with me. For all of its twists and turns. It's, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, if, you're, if this is your 66th or 67th or whatever episode that you've watched, then you know. It's been an interesting ride. We had a hell of a ride, but you thought we were running to heaven. Thanks, Bo. Okay, um, did I use all my cards? That, that's what that was from. Okay, so uh, I will see you all again in three weeks, and then I'll, I'll try to get a little more serious, unless it's just more stuff like this, in which case I'll, I'll have to, you know, I'll try, I'll be serious. No, I won't. Who am I kidding? Okay. Um, yes. If you have any questions or comments, please uh, comment below if you're on YouTube. And uh, otherwise, if you're on the podcast, feel free to write to me. You can find my contact information at edward-reeb.com. Shall we close in the usual manner? All right. I'll be going to... Uh, Priyal and I will be going to Darjeeling and Gang Talk 
So I'm going. I'm not taking the computer with me, so I'm not going to be recording an episode like I have been in the past couple of trips. I'm going to take a vacation and not be thinking, okay, where am I going to where, where am I going to sit for the next and spend the next three hours editing? I'm just going to take a vacation. No computer. Bring a couple books. Not this book. Different books. So yeah, clear the head out a bit. Okay. Thank you all for joining, for tuning in, and uh, until next time, to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy, may all beings be serene, may all beings be in peace. Oh. Until next time. We've